for, for the again people, we have a YouTube. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> we can get on there and, and, and again, yes. Um, so praise the Lord. Anyways, here we go. All right, let's turn your Bibles to Psalms. And uh, Psalms 33, I believe. 33, Psalms 33. And... Uh, how long of a ser- uh, sermon this is going to be, but it's from God's word, amen. amen. So hopefully we'll, uh, you know, hopefully you'll attend or listen to the words of God today, this morning. It'll be a blessing to you. Appreciate those that'll uh, minister in song, come up here, and they will uh, sing from the heart. Which is like to always encourage those that are in the choir, or those that are singing uh, up here, is that they have a heart. They're singing from the heart, and uh, that's a blessing when people sing from the heart. And uh, and it's not about just having uh, a special talent, but it's using those talents for the Lord. And God wants to use those things. God wants to use what we have for him, and uh, that's good. That's a little extra. I'm, you're going to get charged for that one. But anyways, so Psalms chapter 33 and verse 1, the Bible says here, it says, Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, for praise is calmly for the upright. Praise the Lord with a harp, and sing unto him with a psaltery and an instrument of ten strings. Sing unto him a, uh, him a new song, play skillfully with a loud noise. For the word of the Lord is right, and all his works are done in truth. He loveth righteousness and judgment. The Lord is full of goodness of the Lord. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the hosts of them, by the breath of his mouth, he gathereth the waters of the sea together as a heap. He layeth up the depth of in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. He maketh the devices of the people of none effect. In verse 11, the, the counsel of the Lord standeth forever, the thoughts of his heart to all generations. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, Lord, thank you, God, for your word tonight, or this morning. I pray that you would bless it, bless our time together. We thank you, God, that you're in control of everything. We know, Lord, that, uh, Lord, we know, Lord, that we live in a fallen world where we need your help in, in our lives and every aspect, most of all for salvation. We pray that you just help us, Lord, as we look to your word, that you would speak to us. And you'd help us, Lord, that uh, we pray that we would just, you would take away the distractions, any distractions that would keep us from having the blessings that you have for us. Thank you for all those that have come to your house. I pray that you bless our time together, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. We think about our scripture reading uh, this morning it reminds us of one of the great attributes of God, the eminent, eminent potence of God, all-powerful. Our God is all-powerful. Uh, we think about how... I have certain words that to get me, but we think about unlimited power. He has unlimited power, you know. Uh, the Bible talks about how uh, Jesus was a very, a very meek person, but really we think about meekness. A lot of people think meekness is weakness, but meekness is not weakness. Meekness is power under control. Uh, Jesus had to definitely had to uh, keep that power under control. Uh, I don't know if you rem- if uh, if you remember where. Uh, Peter or Peter had sliced off somebody's ear and all that happened in the garden, things like that. He but spoke and those men fell back. I mean, Jesus holding back his power, obviously. We understand that Jesus was all-powerful. He was a man. He came as a man, but he was all-powerful. When you think about God can bring to pass anything he will, all, anything he wills he can bring, bring about. He has no bounds or limitations. He cannot do anything he wills. Uh, he cannot do anything uh he can do anything, but he can't do anything like lie. 
You think about lying is something he can't do. Uh, Hebrews 6.18 says, uh, we think about that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie. We might have the strong consolation who have fl uh, fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. We think about the fact that God cannot lie. I, I appreciate the fact that God cannot lie. You know, there's, today we would say, oh, people are calling each other liars. There's lies going around, things like that. What's the truth today? There's so much untruth going around. Uh, what is truth? Right here. Right? With, uh, the Bible talks about how let every man be a liar and God true. And that, that's really where it stands. That's really where it comes down to. We think of the fact that uh, God is, uh, we think about the, there's no shortages with God. We think about the fact that God owns everything. God created things out of, just can create things. When he created the heavens and the earth, he spoke them into existence. He spun them into existence. We think the fact that it's an amazing thing if you look at the different things that God has created, the universe, and all the different things that are in that universe. Uh, we live in a very small little speck of a world, uh, and God's focus is on this little earth we live on. Amen? Isn't that wonderful? We think about all the different things that are out there spinning around in, 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 in order. I think everything is spinning around. It's just not running into each other. Uh, the, the, the moon is orbiting the earth. And the moon has a very important thing to do in keeping things where it needs to be. The waters and all the different things. Things would happen. If we didn't have our moon, uh, they say that things would happen. We'd have 300 miles an hour plus winds that would happen if we didn't have a moon. Uh, the things that God has created that he set in order, uh, it, it, it's intricately uh, put together by God. We think about Matthew 19.26 says, with God all things are possible. I appreciate for that fact that because God, the Bible talks about John 3.16. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We think about the fact that God loves us so much. God loves us so much in the fact that when uh, Adam and Eve, when they had fa uh, fallen in the garden and they, and they ended up uh, starting this, uh, this fallen world that we live in, is the fact that God still already had a plan in place to redeem his creation. The Bible talks about how we're wonderfully and, and we're made in a great way, incredible way, intricately way. I think that many people have in the past have, when they come to learn about the intricacy of the of the body itself, and how you know what we knew 20 years ago was nothing like what we know now as far as the intricacy of cells and the different things and the makeup of our bodies. It's an incredible thing, and the fact that if you look at the Word of God and the fact that uh, with uh, Adam, uh, how Adam and Eve, and the fact that God breathed something life into them, we have something special from God directly from God, like no, no one else, no, no other being has. We, we, we have something that is special in the eyes of God. We're special. And so special that Jesus didn't just send somebody else. He sent his son to go die for our sins, to do what is needed for us to be saved. And so Jesus went on the cross and he died for our sins. We live in a fallen world. We're fallen people. And we needed a savior. And Jesus went to the cross and died for our sins. And what a great thing that is to understand. Where we want to see, number one, we want to see the, the, the fact that his power over creation. Power to create, verse, uh, uh, Psalms 33, verse 6, the Bible says, By the word of the, of the Lord, the, uh, the heavens were made, and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. By the breath of his mouth. Incredible power God has. And uh, incredible. We think about how uh, in Colossians 1.16 says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, 
uh, visible and invisible, wh uh, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things are created by him and for him. And so we understand he's created everything. He made the stars. Uh, Genesis 1.16 talks about he made the stars also. We think about the fact of these stars. You know, uh, we, uh, I, I know that back in the Middle Ages or back years ago, people uh, you had Galileo and he looked at the stars and he'd calculate things and, and people were looking at these stars. But today we know so much more about these stars than they did then. And we know that they go farther out than we ever thought they would go. We thought maybe there was an edge to it all. So maybe there was an end to it all. But as far as we peer, is it keeps going. It keeps going. We get a bigger, bigger telescope that goes, goes farther out, and we f come to find out that it keeps going. And we're finding just, and they're not all, all these stars are not all the same. Some of them are large, some are small. Some of them are going through the cycle of life. There's certain cycles of life where they start out orange, or I'm not sure if it's orange. I, there's orange, there's blue, and then there's white. White is about where they, they're about to burn out. It takes them a long time to burn out. But these stars are of different sizes. Some of them are as big as our our own galaxy, our universe. I mean, that's huge. Some of those, some of these stars are out there. They're like our sun. And uh, there's, there's uh, planets that are orbit, orbiting them as or, uh, planets are orbiting ours. And it's an amazing thing. And to keep, and to think the fact that he created all these things and yet God has time for us. All these things going on, you know. Have you ever had had a place in, in in your life where you thought, "Wow, I got all these saucers going." You ever seen those guys with saucers to get the saucers going? They get these saucers, and they go here and they get the saucer going. And they keep all these saucers going, and and they got these foots out, and he's got a saucer on his foot. He's got all these saucers going, and it, it's really a talent to get all these saucers and get them all going. But boy, if he stops one thing, or if he he sneezes or something like that, they all come down. Well, praise the Lord, God has everything going, and yet they just keep going. And they keep going the way they're supposed to go. I praise the Lord for that. Um, you, we know that uh, if the sun was a little closer to the earth, uh, things would burn up. Things would get a little hot, you know, and, and it wouldn't be very much fun. And, and we wouldn't have life. So we have, we have a creation that God has, God has put into play, and God keeps it all going. And yet in that, within that, all the things that are going on, and many of us, sometimes we get too much going on, don't we? Sometimes we go, oh, man, I, well, what do they call it? I chewed off a little more than I could chew, right? Of course, I like doing that, you know. Sometimes it's nice to have, especially if it's good food, amen. But, uh, but we think about the fact that God always has time for us. God had time to do things, and he wasn't late. We think about the fact that Jesus went to the cross. He went at the appointed time and, and came and was born in a manger at the appointed time, an appointed time in history. And he came and he, he lived a life for 30 years and three years of ministry. So that's 33 years. And then he went to the cross and he died for our sins. And some people would say, well, they took his life. No, he gave his life. He gave his life for us. And we understand that he uh, gave his life and he gave it all. He didn't give some of it. He gave it all. He laid down his life for us because that was what was necessary for us to have salvation. And so we have a God that loves us and he has power. We, we, we see that the uh, we see that he has power to create. He created all these different things that are, we see, the mountains and the different things that we get to enjoy. It's incredible. Up in Washington State, I remember uh, going to a company picnic one time. It was on Crystal uh, Crystal Mountain, I think it was. It was a high mountain itself, but the Crystal Mountain was like a little ski resort, Crystal uh, Ski Resort, whatever. But we went up there, and it was in the spring, I think, and we went up there, and, and we got to eat food and spend time with uh, coworkers. But the great thing there was the look across to take the, uh, what is it called, those little seats that go up, they go up and down, and ski, ski lifts, whatever. We went up to the top, we went over, and we looked out over, and there was this Mount Rainier. 
And that mountain, I'm telling you, is quite intimidating on a clear day when you see how big that mountain, that, big, that mountain is a big mountain. It's not just tall, 14,110 feet, but it is actually a big mountain. With all the snow that's on there, it's just amazing. It's beautiful. And it's an incredible thing. It's, God, it's something that God has created. And God has created so many different things and, and for his pleasure. We understand that he has created these things. He has created, we also understand that he has power to control. And, uh, and Psalms 107 says, He maketh the storm a, a calm so that the waves thereof are still. We understand that, you know, even with the disciples, he had calmed the sea. He had calmed the weather. He had power over Mother Nature. We say Mother Nature, his nature. He had power over, over the storm. He has power over all those things. We understand that he can, he, he, he's in control. And uh, we think about how uh, things happen, and things are happening. If you look around, there's, there's an increase of earthquakes. There's an increase of things happening. There's more. I'm not sure if there's more hurricanes, but I believe there is. Uh, but there's a lot more big things happening in this world, and they happen all the time. And this earth, we're coming to a place where uh, we're getting closer and closer to the Lord Jesus Christ coming back. This, this, this earth is groaning and turning and waiting. I know that the earthquakes are increasing quite substantially. And they talk about the big earthquakes we need to be prepared for. And I'm working at where I work. We are working at pouring cement in some uh, uh, these little places, these little, what do they call them, like uh, where the water can escape. Yeah, those big uh, canals, yeah. They're big, they're huge, and they're big canals. Some of them are bigger than others. And I was talking to some of the engineers uh, there as I was pouring, and there's one guy there that he's a, he's a uh, quality guy, and he's talking about how fast the water comes down. He says it comes down about 200 miles an hour, and he says that wall has to be strong enough to where it goes this way, and it has to go down just right. And so they've, they've engineered it in such a way to where it comes down, and it'll go where it needs to go. Because he said in that certain area, they had extensive flooding. At certain years, they have extensive flooding, and a lot of damage occurred because of all that water had nowhere to go. But 200 miles an hour, I'm thinking, wow, get my raft out. Here we go. No, that's, that's fast. That's dangerous fast. But we think about how, how God is getting control of all these different things and all the, the powerful things in, that are going on around us. Matthew 24, verse 7 says, For nations shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. We understand that things are going on. There's wars. You, you look at Ukraine, there's wars we hardly hear about. There's things going on in Syria. There's all kinds of military there. We got Russia. We got uh, we have uh, different groups around there that are all they're fighting, and nobody hears about it on the news. It's happening all the time. We have things going on around the world in Africa. Things happen down there, and we rarely hear about it. Uh, in the Middle East, things are happening. That's a powder keg over there. But we see things are happening. We see that there's power to control. We know that God is in control over it all. But we understand that things are happening. We also see the power to destroy. In Deuteronomy 9, it talks about he promised Israel to destroy their enemies as a consuming fire. And we think about the, the, the plagues in Egypt and what an incredible thing that was. And uh, Deuteronomy chapter 26, let's go ahead and turn there if you would. Deuteronomy chapter 26, if you've got a Bible there. Deuteronomy chapter 26. Deuteronomy chapter 26 and verse 8, the Bible says here, And the Lord brought us forth out of Egypt with a mighty hand and with an outstretched arm 
and with gr a great terribleness, and with signs and wonders, and he hath and he hath brought us unto this place, and hath given us the land, even a land that floweth with milk and honey. We think about the, the, the children of Israel. That was God's people, these children of Israel people. And they were brought out. And, uh, we, we see how Moses or Moses had brought them out. Yeah. And uh, we see that uh, back in Exodus 14. Let's just turn there, if you would. Exodus 14. They're looking back, and they're looking at what God had already done. We're going to go back to where at Exodus 14, the fact of the Lord working. Sometimes our, our lives can look a little bit like they're upside down, upside down. And uh, but the Lord has our best interest. Exodus or Exodus fourteen verse thirteen. The Bible says here it says, and Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which He will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. And so the Egyptians were on their, their chase. They had decided to say, hey, why did we let them go? Let's go after them. Get all the chariots. We are the, we are the most advanced army in the world. Let's get our chariots and military together. Let's go after them. Let's get them. And God had set a fire, pillar of fire in the back with an angel watching, and, and he had things under control. And these people are going, oh, man, what's going on? Yet God says to Moses, hey, tell them to fear not. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take care of business today. You know, God's there for us every day, by the way. Not just on the big days like we, we can look back at. He's there with us 24-7. The Bible talks about how he'll never leave us nor forsake us. But we need to remember that. The Bible continues to say here in verse 14, The Lord will fight, shall fight for you, and he shall hold your peace. Hold your peace. Don't get so, don't get so upset. Don't get, get, get so fidgety. Be confident in the, what the Lord is doing here. In verse 15, the Bible says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel, that they go forward. But lift thou up thy rod, and stretch out thine hand over the sea, and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I, behold, I will harden the heart of Egyptians, and they will follow them, and I will get me honor uh, upon Pharaoh and upon all his hosts, upon his chariots and upon his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten me honor upon Pharaoh, upon his chariots and upon his horsemen. Understand here that it wasn't just for the Israelites, it was for also the Egyptians. We understand they're going to know, wow, okay, uh, this, is, this must be a different God than the gods we served back there in Egypt. Uh, this is a real, for real God. And look at the things that are happening. And the angel of the Lord, in verse 19, and the angel of, the, of God, which went before the camp of Israel, moved, removed and went behind them, and the pillar of the uh, cloud went from before their face and stood behind them to protect them. And it came bef between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel, and it was a cloud and a darkness to them. And it gave light by night to the to to these, so that the uh, so that one came not near the other all night. So God he he put a wall up, right? He ain't gonna allow the Egyptians to get there. He's keeping them back. And verse twenty one. And Moses stretched out his hand over the seas, and the Lord uh, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong wind, uh, east wind, all that night, and made the sea dry, and the 
waters were divided. And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground, and the waters were all were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went in after them. Now look at this. The Bible talks about how he divided that. It wasn't a wall that was knee high. It was a wall. I remember we're talking a wall of water on, on the right side and on the left. And they're walking across the Red Sea on dry ground. Now I believe God's word says it was dry. Let me tell you, I believe it was dry. All right, I believe I believe God's word, and I believe it was dry. I believe uh, the sandals that they had, they stepped into that. I believe that was dry. I believe that God brought that about. I don't believe the the Bible's kicking around anything. I think it's just telling you how it is. And so we see this, and it's incredible. And you see a wall of water, and the winds are doing this. And in all the time, I don't know about you, but I've been walking. I've walked through winds where, boy. I might want to hold on to something, amen? Some hurricanes, things like that. Things like that. But we see here that they're able to walk out there. They're, there's nothing here that says that they're afraid of walking across, but the fact is that they tr- were trusting God, and God was about to uh, have them go, go across here. And what a great thing that was. But they were trusting him. And so uh, we see that God had brought this about. And we see the, the incredible thing here that was happening. God was showing himself strong, and that wind would come down and brought that, the waters up. And they went in, and they were starting to cross. Now, this was going to take a long time for if it was a million people or two million, however many it was, uh, it would take a long time for them to cross. And that would be a tick, it would take a large swath. It wasn't just a little, I think it was a lot of area for them to cross, maybe a half mile possibly wide for them to do that. But that's got to be an impressive sight to see a a, a ocean of water walling up and you going across by God's power. God was personally working to help them with a a stretched out arm, a stretched out hand, a a strong arm to get them out of Pharaoh's grip. I see how God is working so hard. You know, God wants to work to get us out of some pickles sometimes. We see that, you know, uh, he, he, he'll, he'll go a long ways to get us out. Uh, he loves us. He cares for us. He, cares, he, cared, for the, the, he cared for the Jewish people. They were, they were his chosen people. And so we see that uh, in verse 22, And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground, and the waters were a wall unto them, uh, unto them on their right hand and on their left, and the Egyptians pursued and went in after them to the midst of the sea, even all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And it came to pass that in the morning, watch, the Lord looked unto the host of the Egyptians through, through the pillar of fire and the cloud and troubled the host of the Egyptians and took off their chariot wheels that they dro- uh, drove them heavily so that the Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. So we see that already the, their, the word of God is coming true. What God said he was going to do is basically they would know who they were fighting. They would know that their God was fighting for them. And it was, it, was a, a, it was a testimony unto God what was happening. Even in, the, even in the eyes of the world, they see how God works. You know, the Egyptian, Egypt is a picture of the world. And even in the world, God sees, the world sees God, God, God work. They talk about his love. They talk about all these things, even though they don't possess it. 
we understand that we see in verse 26, And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand over the sea, that the waters may come again upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and upon their horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to his strength when the morning appeared. And the Egyptians fled against it, and the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. And the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen, and all the hosts of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them, there remained not so much as one of them. But the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall unto them in their right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord, say, uh, Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians do, uh, dead upon the seashore. And Israel saw that uh, great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. And the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. Think about that. For those that perhaps didn't quote completely, you know, you, you believe him, but now you really believe him. Oh, man. Huh. We're talking about, this is, Moses is God. Moses sent him, he, he, he was on the backside of the desert, and Moses spoke, or God spoke to Moses through a burning bush. Moses goes over there, and he speaks to him, and he says, I'm not eloquent, I'm not able to do this. And God says, you know what? I formed thee, I made thee, I created thee, I picked you to go. And so, incredible what God does. And you know what? God want, looks at us, and he wants to use us. We may say, I, I don't know. I, I, no, God wants to use us. God has a desire to use us. We think about the fact that God has his power to do that. He has the ability to do that. You know, he uses the small things to confound the wise. He uses the small things in life to uh, bring about great things. <coughs> and today, we see a great opportunity to live for him if we'll live for him. If we choose to live for him, he'll bring about great things in our lives. But we also see in uh, James 4.12, James 4.12 says, uh, There is one lawgiver... Who is able to save and destroy thou who art thou that judgest another? Go to now, ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go in such a city and continue there a year, and buy and sell and get gain, whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. We see that verse here that we understand that we we often don't know how long we have in life. Some of us are taken earlier than others. We understand that even if we live a full life of 100 years, 150, or I know we're looking at some people that are living up to 110, 120, uh, and maybe someone here and there lived up to 133 years, and you go back in the Bible, and man, they lived 100 years. Uh, but we understand that however long we live is still just a vapor in the, in the comparison to eternity. I mean, it's going to be a blip, and it's going to be a strong blip because we're all going to, you know, we're, we're, the things that happen within this vapor, our lives. And hopefully within this vapor, we understand that Jesus loves us, and Jesus died for us. And hopefully within this life, this vapor, we've said, boy, you know, I'm going to get saved. I'm going to receive Christ as my Savior. I'm going to make that gift of eternal life mine because I want to, I want to spend my life. We're going to spend our life in eternity with somebody, all right? I'd rather spend life in eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ in heaven. God has made that possible on the cross. He's died for our sins. He's totally paid for our way to go to heaven. And that's for all of us. God loves all of us. He desires for us to be saved. We also understand that he's uh, uh, we, our prayer ought to, ought to be, our prayer should be, God bless my home, my business, etc. We ought to ask God to bless us. He, he, he has the ability to, God can bless us, but we, you know, how many times we, we, we have not because we ask that. God's word says, man, you have not because he asked not. You didn't ask for it. I, so we didn't send it. Sorry. 
uh, you didn't order it, you know, uh, we understand that. We also see that he has power over his creation, but also his power over Satan. Some of us, uh, we, uh, we see uh, Satan, and boy, oh, Satan, he's a bad boy, well, he's powerful and that. And I think, I think some people in this world, they, uh, they make uh, Satan bigger than he is. And they give him too much credence. I think we need to give God more credence. I think we need to understand, we need to pay more attention to God because he has the ability, he has power over Satan, complete power over Satan. Satan can't do anything without God allowing it. We see he has power to protect. No, Satan has real power to control and condemn. We see that today we have uh, many things that are happening. We have a lot of school sh- shootings and satanic this or that. And we, uh, we can be fearful of those things, although we're not, we shouldn't be fearful of those things. Job 1.12 says, The Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power and upon himself, but not uh, put not forth thine hand. We see that what happened with Job, we understand that uh, uh, Job was a, a servant of God. And we understand that Job, uh, Job, God allowed him to do anything up to taking his life. And he, te- he tested Job. We understand that Job, we understand that Job got through it all and he, 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 didn't, he didn't deny God. He didn't curse God. He kept faithful with God, even through all that he went through. And through it all, you get to the, to the end of his life. He, we understand that he, uh, he had some friends that weren't much friends to him at all. And really, God was his friend. God was the person that was getting him through that tough time. We also see that God ended up blessing him in, in a big way. He ended up blessing him with double what he had before. You know, I, I think that's an, an amazing thing. We understand that uh, what we go through in life is the fact that God is with us. He's always with us. He's our confidence. And we also understand that God has uh, the ability to, uh, he has the power to break strongholds. I'm glad he has the ability to break strongholds. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5 says, The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. And we have through the word of God, through him, we have the, through God, we have the abilities to pull down strongholds. He has the ability to get us out of some things that we get ourselves into. Uh, there's some people, I'm telling you, uh, if you think drugs are not, a, if you think drugs are an easy thing to get off or whatever, uh, you better think again, they are strong. You need God's help. Right. Uh, I know everybody's got, the, got these little things that you can go through, these little programs, things like that. And, but I'm telling you, you better have God on your side. You better have God working in your heart and life. Yeah, they're powerful things. Uh, I, I remember my dad, and we were half my family, they smoked. They smoked, they smoked, you know, they were smokers, you know. At a time, there was a time in the American history or in the world history that everybody smoked. You saw it on magazines, different things like that. It was promotional. Uh, it was it was just promoted. It had actors there smoking, you know, uh, all these different actors, and, and they'd be smoking. It was just what they did. And then they come to find out, that, oh, it causes cancer and all this, and then, and then they realize, oh, we should they just they, they tried to cut that out. But half my family smoked. They smoked. They smoked. And we think about the fact that, uh, you know how hard it is to quit smoking? I've been around some people that were trying to quit smoking, my dad and some other people. Oh, they were they get upset. <laughs> it was like they didn't, get their, they didn't get to have that cigarette. And it's such an addiction. It can be addictive. The things in life that can be addictive. Oh, God can help you break that stronghold and set things right. It's impressive. God can do. Here's an illustration. The trucker stop, uh, stopped at, at a dinner to grab a bite to eat. After a long day of driving, he sat at the table of, uh, with his cheeseburger when a motorcycle gang drove up and entered the restaurant. They held around the truck driver and uh, 
truck driver as he ate his food, uh, the man got up, paid his uh, bill, and uh, left without a word. The gang said to the waiter, he ain't much of a man, is he? The waiter replied, he ain't much of a driver either because he backed over his 18-wheeler over your six motorcycle. <laughs> Not much of a driver, I'm telling you. Don't, don't park close to that guy. All right. Uh, we think about how he has power over death. Note, some say if God has all power, why doesn't he stop death? He doesn't view death in the same way we do. To him, death is a coma, not a period in, li- in life story. Because of his resurrection, we see in 1 Corinthians 15, 19 says, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are all men most miserable. But now in Christ, now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For us in Adam all die. Even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits. Afterward, they that are of our Christ are Christ at his coming. We understand that Jesus Christ provides power over death. We have, you know, when we, when we pass off the scene with the Lord Jesus Christ, we graduate. We're moving forward into what God has for us. And we're, we've, we've gone at the appropriate time. What a great thing that we think about how beautiful are the, are the saints that pass. And you have a welcoming party in heaven. Look who's coming. F.B. Myers to his wife. To my surprise, I have just been told that my days and hours are numbered. It may be that before this letter reaches you, I shall be gone into the palace of the king. Do not trouble tonight. We shall meet in the morning. And we think about, note, after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, he was seen by 1,500 eyewitnesses. He was the first fruits. Because of Jesus, we can have forgiveness of sins and a home in heaven. How sweet heaven is. So often, I think today, we, we, we lose sight of that heaven. Heaven is so sweet, so wonderful, and it's waiting for us. And Jesus is sharing his inheritance with us. We don't deserve it, but he's provided that for each and every one of us. We think about the fact that his, we think about the fact that it's available through salvation. The Bible says in Romans 1, 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Salvation. The fact of the gospel. We think about the gospel. Jesus died on the cross for your sins, my sins. Then he was placed in the tomb, and he, he was in that tomb for three days. And three days later, he rose again from the dead. That's the gospel, the three things. That's the gospel. The simple gospels, he did that for you. Out of love, he did that for you. God sent him. Jesus did that. He carried it out. And the sins were laid upon him. Your sins, my sins were laid upon him. And our sins were laid upon him. And he died with our sins upon him. He died. And when he said it was finished, that payment was finished. And the things that he had to go through for us to be saved. But praise the Lord, he did that for you and for me. And he extends that as a gift of eternal life. We don't work our way to get to heaven. We don't do anything other than accept Christ as our Savior. What a wonderful thing that is. He makes the arrangements for us. Everything, is, everything that is needed to be done is done on the cross. But I'm, I, I, it's, it's important for us to understand that uh, it's not a matter of looking at the gospel and looking at what God has done and going, oh, that looks, looks pretty neat. That's, that's pretty nice. There's plenty of people that do that. They look at that and go, they look at that. that's wonderful that God would do that. Well, have you done something about that? Have you received that gift of eternal life? 
you, have you made it yours? Let me encourage you today to make it yours. The Bible says for uh, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Lastly, you know, for all of us, we look forward to Christmas. We look forward to birthdays. Uh, we, we give gifts, and I wrap up a gift for any of my children, and I expect them to un unwrap it. I wrap that thing up. Maybe it's something I know they want. I know, I'm looking forward to them having it. I've spent some money. I've spent some time finding this thing. Or actually, my wife has spent some time finding it. <laughs> but we've spent some time. We know they're going to enjoy it. And we've wrapped that thing up, and we put it before them, and they look at that thing and go, wow, thank you. Okay, we're waiting. What are you waiting for? We're waiting for them to open it. For some of us, God is waiting for you to open up your gift, that gift of eternal life. It is kind of important because if we die before receiving that gift of eternal life, we don't get to go to heaven. And let me tell you what, in 1976, I received Christ as my Savior. That's after being in a lot of different churches. I would, that was a Baptist church up in Linwood, Washington, I received Christ as my Savior. I'm so glad that they gave out the gospel, and then they had an invitation, and I went forward and received Christ as my Savior. And I received Christ as my Savior. I believe that the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, John, you need this. You need to get saved. And before that, I was an admirer of Jesus dying on the cross, but I couldn't tell you why he died on the cross. I had a grandma that was a fundamental Baptist uh, grandma, and I had family that was saved, but they never told me how to be saved. I was in two other churches, and they weren't very evangelistic, and they were Baptist churches, and I hear a lot of nice stories, but until I got saved, none of that made sense to me. Amen. And I realized that I needed to do something with it. I needed to do, I needed to unwrap my present that God had for me, that gift of eternal life. Maybe you're here today, and you say, you know what? I've never unwrapped that gift of eternal life, but I'd like to. With your heads bowed, eyes closed this morning, if you would, let's go ahead and stand to our feet if you're able to. We thank you.